first of all, what's better than when the house is freezing and we turn up the heat and it's nice and cozy? <sighs> Nothing. But that's not even what I wanted to say. Yeah, this no, is, I agree. This is something I noticed okay. about us and this podcast. Oh, okay. So, you know how other podcasts divide things up into seasons and... Uh, like you Do know, they? season one and then season oh, two, oh, oh, season yeah. three. Yeah, yeah. Or like they'll you know, like they'll take their break and they'll come back and it'll be like a oh. new section or something like that. Oh. You know what I've noticed? We've never divided up into seasons. We have Imagine if unconsciously. our Imagine if our season one was uh-huh. hundred and seventy episodes. <laughs> And basically, that's what it is. We should just make the next podcast episode season two. Season two? Or no, this one. This Welcome one. Welcome to, to season, season two. two of the Speaking of Which podcast. It's not lined up with anybody else's seasons. No. It's not, we're unique. There's And I'd say... Um, just, so what is season two going to bring for people? Season two... We haven't prepped, planned, or scheduled a timeline of anything. This is like this is season off the two. cuff. Off the cuff, season two, and I just thought it would be absolutely hilarious if we just randomly introduced season two, like episode 160. <laughs> no context. No context. No warning. No end of like, season one Just be one like finale. so excited to start a new season. <laughs> Is everyone ready for the new season? New uh, speaking of which? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody posted on social media. Season two. Season two, two premiering. Premiering. <laughs> I can't believe the ending of season one. Did you the cliffhanger? Hear the episode? Oh my god! Honestly, especially because if last episode was the cliffhanger, I could literally <laughs> have no idea what we talked about last week. Either not a single recollection of what we talked mm-hmm. about. Luckily, this week. Oh, you know what? Starting off this new season, I actually have something really. <laughs> <laughs> What is it like a sneak peek preview, like the the coming attractions of season two? We should just yes in a land. We should just make random seasons for no reason. Like ten episodes from now, let's just make it season three. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, to, and those who know know, and those mm-hmm. who don't didn't. So I know you edited a video today. I did. And um, so like what we're about we're, what we're gonna talk. Whoa. <laughs> What we're gonna Season talk two, about today strong. is uh, this whole podcast has touched on this topic, but we've never t- uh, touched on it like this. That's what like, she said. Oh my god! <laughs> the problem of like the modern problems in self help community. Yeah, and I, and I found some really specific articles that are kind of fun okay. and they're kind of out there. Yeah. And some of the things we're going to agree with and some of the things we're not going to agree with. Yeah. And before I even open the computer or whatever, I just wanted to see, like ask you do you what do you first of all what do you consider a self help book? Well, first of all, I'm going to need to help Phoebe with herself. What do I consider a self-help book? That's so funny because that's so funny that you asked in season two. Um, because I was just thinking about this the other day. I was telling somebody, actually I was telling a couple people about like books and audiobooks and the books I was reading and that sort of stuff. And I was like, typically the books that I am drawn to the most, like the categories that I read the most are what I would consider some sort of self-help equality. Uh, I really enjoy fantasy fiction. Mm-hmm. Specifically, a lot more of YA, but not specifically smut. Yeah, smut. Very, <laughs> very smut is the the yeah no um, fantasy very YA smut. and uh, some sort of actual like educational like either it's you know learning about astrology or history or you know some sort of actual more educational type books. Mm-hmm. Those are which I guess self help kind of lends itself into, but. There's a difference to me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I feel like... Uh, it isn't self-help, but it could fall under the umbrella as one of its categories type thing. Right, or? like, self-helps can be very educationally based. But what I mean is, like, almost like textbooky education. You mm-hmm. know, where it's like, I am learning about this and this and this. Um, so, like, for instance, I started reading this book called The uh, See What I'm Saying. And it's like the extraordinary senses of something. It's one of the most fascinating fucking books I've ever read, by the way. But I'm only like 30 minutes into the audiobook, so I can't feel like I can give it like a full review here. Um, I'll definitely be talking about it more later. 
But that one is like it's definitely more educational, but it's not here to. Does like, it have self help elements like about yeah, how like exactly. how you can incorporate yeah. it? Yeah, so like I feel like those categories kind of overlap. Exactly. So like before I even started this topic, I just wanted to say that self help is such a big umbrella. Yeah. Um, because remember Lisa Pepez's book, the oh, yeah. the self worth path. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I forgot. It, it was it was so good. And like, honestly, I really, really liked her book a lot. Mm-hmm. It was really easy to read, but it wasn't like dumbed down. And mm-hmm. I would consider Lisa. I would book, consider that a self help book. Yeah, I would definitely consider that a self help book. And I and like you said, I uh, I thought it was just so beautifully done. And then when I look at other self help books, I can see that they have the problems that we're going to be talking about. And then okay. talking about how Lisa's book is a good example of what's not, you know problematic you know like ways that it's like yeah i just feel like that's the only example i can think of yeah out of all the like the books in my collection where i was like okay at least it did it right (laughs) you know know which is so classic her right no i know but it's so funny because i've read some self-help books too where it's like i can tell there's an air of privilege or Mm -hmm. like lack of awareness of like the general public's ability or not ability (laughs) to do what they're being like told Mm -hmm. but at the same time i guess maybe i'm just like brainwashed into like being good at like taking what works yeah like cherry picking it i guess um yeah and yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) season two is strong man (laughs) But I think uh, there's a few books that have been a little stronger for me than others in the self-help, you know, category. Uh, but exactly, a yeah. lot of the books that I used to read in the past were much more self-help focused, and now I feel like I just read like contemporary literary fiction, mm-hmm. and I have found that to be unexpectedly a huge source of self-help. Yeah, I can just see like that. reading fiction. Yep. And then I'm like, oh my God, this is literally self-help. But like I didn't even think of it this way. But when you see people going through things, you take so much inspiration from that. Yes. And you kind of just incorporate it into your life in the background almost. You don't even realize that it's going on. Yeah. But I was also thinking about some of the books that I've been reading about like theology and stuff. Cool. Because a lot of theology books in my mind I just see them as theology, but a lot of them could be, like, they would fit technically under a self-help category because it's, like, there's a difference between, like, a 2,000-page, like, theological tome on the history of why a theology exists Mm -hmm. and then someone, like, writing an expository and saying, like, this is a beautiful theology that we can all adopt to feel better and be better. So it's, like, weird how things naturally become self-help it's just like right. i was well, just really no, interested. i agree because even some even like most astrology books mm-hmm. oh, i just let me make sure that's not gonna stop the recording you know even the most like astrology of astrology books in in like the blank terms of it unless it's talking about like the history of astrology you know in certain mm-hmm. eras or, or you know regions or something like that it's going to be touching on things that of the human experience because that is what astrology is and so in turn if you're looking yourself aware or you're having some sort of like you know reflection on astrology as a whole that it's self-helpy you know mm-hmm. same thing with tarot or a lot of like divinatory or even occult practices is geared Self- towards helping myself helping myself with some <laughs> magic uh and so it, yeah, I mean, self-help is a very broad term. It's so, so it's broad. interesting to see the books that are categorized as and specifically especially self-categorizing self-help. as self-help. And so a lot of what we're touching on today are books that are specifically self-categorizing themselves as oh, self-help. Oh, you have like a list? Uh, yeah, I've got some listicles. Um, <laughs> okay, please don't ever say that again. That's what my list articles are called, listicles. Okay. And and specifically, like, if you go to a bookstore and there's a self-help section, they're right under that header. Okay. So the, those are the books I'm talking about today. So yeah. I don't want anybody to obviously think that we're, like, talking about anything that talks about, you know, like, helping yourself. Uh-huh. There's all sorts of different things. I'm talking about, like, get rich quick in 90 days or, like, find your lover, you know, like, those types of self-help. Yeah. Ones that have really clickbaity titles uh, that you are still interested in picking up just to see what the hell. And, you know, stuff like that. And I'm really interested. I'm interested in the genre as a whole. 
and I'm interested in first of all why it doesn't work for a lot of people and if it's possible if it's even possible to help yourself through a book and stuff like that I personally think think that it is yeah I think it is I think I've been helped tremendously by books Mm mm-hmm and, and it's interesting what books helped me at certain points in my life and no, full well knowing if I would have read them like now or before I read them like earlier in my life, how they might have not made the same type of impact, mm-hmm. how certain books can really come to you in crucial moments of your life and help you where it might not otherwise. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's interesting as well. And I just... I don't know. I really want to. Let's let's Dive open up the it? listicles. Let's open up the listicles. Mm, hey, see. why do you keep saying that word? Because <laughs> <laughs> it made me laugh. Right. Okay, but just picture this. Camera here. When you have... say that, I hear Hilary Duff's single called Picture This. Picture This. <laughs> <laughs> it's not how I picture this. Stop. It's better than it. Stop. We get... So this is like the fireplace here, uh-huh. but we just like tape like a picture of or Hillary a piece Duff. of no a piece a, a piece of a piece of, of, piece a piece of, of paper of. and it's like just speaking of which written in like sharpie <laughs> and then like this is the vibe and we record it so that there's visuals and make sure you put season two on. <laughs> <under. laughs> we can like litter this wall with like little cutouts for what do you think what do you think I absolutely love that. We've got to make it happen. I feel like it's time that we have some sort of We could of at least take a promotional picture today doing that. Yeah? We'd have to figure I'll out how to... put it on to, my Instagram. We'd have to figure out how to record because my camera Your can camera only... Sucks. It, yeah. Someone please buy a new camera. <laughs> Stop. Someone's going to. It's so... Yeah. Actually, if somebody did, I would... I think I would... Shoot. I don't your know. Pants. I think I would. You know how dogs do that thing when they get really excited, where they like wipe their butt against the fucking ground. That's me with my hemorrhoid itches. I think I would. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would just like shit and like scrape it across the entire house because, like a dog, <laughs> I'd be too excited. Running behind and you with the slipper. And also, I feel like I would feel like indebted for the rest of my life to that person. Phoebe, go so, around. <laughs> everyone, I found um, an article actually from Mark Manson's website. And if and for Marilyn are, Manson's website? His name is Mark Manson. And you guys might Is that Marilyn Manson's brother? I don't think so. A oh. lot of you guys will know that um God, why will you guys... Oh, yeah, you guys will know him because he wrote a really famous book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Mm. It's one of those books... I feel like I've seen that cover. Yeah, you see the Uh cover, you see it all the time. Yep. And he is a really well-known self-help, you know, publisher. Okay. But he's also extremely critical of the industry. I'm sorry, can I help you, Phoebe? What is the matter with you? We're in the middle of the podcast. You want to pick her up? I can't even. I can't... (laughs) Season two. Subtitle. I can't, can't even. even. Come here. Come on. So he. You need some love? And then also, have you seen that book called Will? You know, like the Will Smith yes. book? He wrote that also. So that's an autobiography. Mm-hmm. So it's not. No. Is it considered no, the a Will Smith. This Will Smith book. Oh, no, no, no. Not, that uh, Marilyn Manson's brother wrote Will. Wrote Will, I believe. Okay. Oh, it was written with the help of Mark Manson. Will Smith wrote it, but probably Mark Manson he wrote didn't. most of yeah, it. He didn't. Yeah, he didn't write it. Mark and, yeah, that's just how it is, ghostwriting. Yeah. Anyways, can't wait for me to get one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he Anybody wrote, out there looking to ghostwrite So, basically, this is a guy that has some pretty great credentials. And, he, and the points that he's going to make are things that he's noticed in the industry as a whole. And I agree with a lot of them, maybe, and maybe you won't. Anyways, the first thing he points out is that the self-help industry is a billion-dollar industry. Oh, well, yeah. So, the first problem, right off the bat, is it in their best interest for any of us to get better if it's a billion-dollar industry, if that makes sense? Mm-hmm. So, like, to give mm-hmm. you just enough to keep coming back. But, gotcha. But let's dive into reason number one. But, hold on, I have something to say about that. Well... Okay, as a whole, like, if Mm -hmm. you write a book, you want them to come back for more. But typically, if you're going to write a self-help book, you're not going to write a part two. And if you do, typically they don't go well. (laughs) 
You know what I mean? Like yeah. even like what is it? Uh, Mel. But whatever. some people do like Joel Osteen. You know, like that that famous preacher with like the curly hair talk like ew, this ew, you know he just ew. like dozens of books so yeah. people do come back for okay, more okay but i think he has more of a religious tie than the self-help tie yeah that's different but his books are all self-help just under under the umbrella of christianity i think though christianity is why people come back not the self-help and i feel like okay so what was that woman that wrote like Oh, it's George. Oh, God. Okay, this scared me. I was like, we're being robbed. We're being broken into. I thought it was a ghost. So, okay, so like that woman that wrote The Five Second Rule, mm-hmm. that book, she also, I think, wrote another book after that and literally did not, like, no one gave a shit. They were like, yeah, five seconds. I already I already know. I already figured it out. Like, and then. Or, you know, the Marie Kondo's book, that yeah. her first one was yep. wildly popular. Great. And her second one was popular too, but it never reached that it same never level. Never reached this. Because everyone's like, yeah, you taught me how to tie it. You taught me I get how it. to do it. I get it. I get it. And then, uh, oh, even that one, I really, I actually really, really loved this one. And now the author's name is escaping me. But it was The Happier Project. And then she also wrote two other books, which I read. They were okay. They did not make the same impact on me. So maybe it has something to do with just like once you receive the information, you feel like you've gotten it. Yeah, but I like, got it. I don't know that whole the whole uh, theory about like you want them coming back for more. If that is the case, then these authors need to be better at making their <laughs> sequels. <laughs> their self help. Because yeah. like you said, those are examples of where it went wrong. But there are examples of where people have just been shitting yeah. out books. I guess I just can't think of any right now. So maybe you'll let me know. Go ahead. So this was thing number one that Mark points out. Self-help reinforces perceptions of inferiority and shame. So two types of people get hooked on self-help material. Those who feel something is fundamentally wrong with them. (laughs) And they are willing to try anything. (laughs) And those people who think they're already generally pretty good, but they could probably improve a little. (laughs) So somehow we're both. So, <laughs> something fundamentally wrong with them and willing to try anything. <laughs> Even by reading a fucking book? Yeah. Uh, I don't so, know what you're talking about. I'm practically perfect in every way. And this was my favorite part of anything that I read. So Mark calls these people bad to okay people. That first oh set. my god, And then the Mark. first people, okay to great people. Mm, so bad to okay me. people are in it because they believe that they're fundamentally flawed. <laughs> and okay to great people are in it because they think they're okay, but they want to become great. So he goes on to say that people that are starting out like in a really bad position, uh-huh. it's his understanding that only okay to great people can really be helped by self-help books. Okay. But you have to have a general baseline and a general um, awareness of yourself, and a general belief in yourself. You have to kind of already come to the table equipped with tools. Okay. He said if you come to the table, quote-unquote, bad, uh-huh. and he acknowledges it, like, he couldn't think of another word in the in the instance. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Basically, people that just don't have the tools yet. Basically, people that should do some therapy first before... They start. They even open up a fucking book. They even crack the spine on a self help. But on the flip side, therapy is so expensive. So a lot of people do have to start with books because who the hell can afford a therapist? So, like this, it's all so muddled and it's also all over the place. But that doesn't mean that people that are bad can't. But basically, people that aren't coming to the table with the same tools as everybody else are going to feel even worse about themselves because they're one step behind where the author is assuming they are and the author is assuming that they're at rock bottom and they're even below that, which is relatable. (laughs) (laughs) Or you read a self-help book and you're a little bit above that which Mm -hmm. in which they're expecting you. And And you're you're okay to great. You're okay to great, but you're also like, okay, like this doesn't apply to me. Am I reading the wrong book? And then it probably doesn't like... I don't know. It says bad to okay people consistently fail (laughs) because they possess a fundamental worldview that interprets everything they do, including self-help, to support their inferiority and lack of worthiness. So, for example, an okay to great person may read a book on becoming happy, like Mm -hmm. that one you mentioned, and think, oh, cool, there are a bunch of things in here that I'm not doing. I should try them out. Whereas a bad to okay person will read the same book and say, whoa, look at all this stuff I'm not doing. I'm an even bigger loser than I thought. (laughs) Which is so, so me. relatable. 
I didn't even think about that mindset. Okay. Like you're the type of person, like you said, that can cherry pick things out and say, Oh, I'm not doing that. I'm interested in that. Whereas someone that's just starting is like, Holy shit, look at all this stuff I've never even thought of. Like it could put them in like So the fundamental difference is that bad to okay people lack self acceptance that most people have. So when You know what I think it is, is more instead of self acceptance, it seems more along the lines of self awareness. mm Mm-hmm. So, like, the people who are coming to the table who are, you know... At trying to improve something. Yeah, it's almost as if it's the beginning stages of being self-aware beyond a point where they have been in the past. And if you're just cracking the, the, the tip of the iceberg... I feel like of, we would, everyone spirals at the beginning when you realize all the stuff you don't know. And yeah. you didn't know you didn't know it. Mm, okay. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But if someone's just now taking a look at like, wow, what do I do that I don't like? Or what are the things that I do that I think are my strengths? Or, you know, how, what are the consistencies in my relationships that I've been told are difficult traits to to be in a relationship with? Or what, you know, those sorts of things. When you start to like assess that from a different perspective and you're trying to go into a self-help book for the first time, it might be overwhelming or feel Mm -hmm. like you can't accomplish certain things because there's just too much information I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm just So he says the irony here is that the like he he, he calls this the prerequisite for self-help. Okay. The prerequisite for self-help to be effective is the one crucial thing that self-help cannot actually help you with. Accepting and believing yourself as a good person who makes mistakes. So like if you come into it thinking you're a bad person in some way, mm-hmm. like I'm so fundamentally flawed, it says self-help can't help you achieve that necessarily like you have to accept right now that like as like as you are even if you're a bad person like who like does terrible things you're a good (laughs) person you're technically a good person who's just making mistakes and like once you once you can like get around to that some people are pretty bad though (laughs) (laughs) so wait hold on this part made me laugh because this is us mark says sure sit with your chi be in the now. Say your affirmations and journal until you're blue in the face. Yeah. But bad to okay people will continue to perceive themselves that way and never reach the okay they're desperately looking for. It says because this inadequacy is their inadequacy is their worldview, everything they do will only reinforce it. Now, I don't agree with like his all or nothing thing. Obviously, my moon's in Libra. I'm like, but what about the little guy? You know? Yeah. So I do believe that the way certain things are written reinforce perceptions of inferiority and shame. Okay. Lisa's book is a great example of not doing this. Mm-hmm. Because she kind of starts out, like, self-admittedly, like, what the fuck? You know, yeah. like, I, yeah. you know, like, really confused. And, mm-hmm. like, we kind of go on it with her uh-huh. as things are unraveling. It's not, pre- Lisa didn't present it as this finished, polished project where everything is perfect. It's like this walking the self-worth path. Yes. Ah. Walking the self-worth path. I was like, I know I'm going to think of it. All right, go ahead. So she presents it as something unfolding. And like that, that in and of itself helps, you know, fix this whole issue. Mm -hmm. Like when, when a book is presented as do this, not that, Mm -hmm. instead of like a journey, like Lisa (laughs) did, you know, I don't know. That's one thing I really enjoyed about that book. Like looking back, it's my litmus test Mm -hmm. from now on for like a self-help book. I think that the, uh, the happiness project did that as well. It wasn't so much telling you what to do as it was a journey where you were listening to her story of what she did as like a test to see if she could become happier. It wasn't like, do these steps and you'll be happy. It was like, I kind of have this idea, here's what I'm doing, and then here's how I executed it, here's where I failed, and here's where it worked for me. And it really was, uh, it became a self-help book for yourself because then in retrospect you were imagining yourself doing those things. Mm -hmm. And I found when I was reading it that I in turn would adopt certain exercises or things that were like comparable to what she was doing even if it wasn't the exact same thing to see how it would work for me and it wasn't presented in a these are the ways to do this it, it was, was like, like an unfolding yeah, narrative it was like here's an exercise what do you think about this do you think that this will make you happier let's see like see uh, i like that 
Um, this was thing number two that Mark Manson says is an issue. Self-help is often yet another form of avoidance. So let's okay, read his, ex- let let's read his example. Let's read his example. People consciously perceive their problems in all sorts of unique and creative ways. I don't know when to kiss her. My family and I always fight. I feel tired and lazy all the time. I can't stop eating sweets. My dog hates me. My Aww. ex-girlfriend burnt my house down, etc. <laughs> and he okay. was like, he was like, these all feel like real problems. But no, all- those are real problems. <laughs> <laughs> you think I know. That that's not a problem? I know. I think he was being a bit tongue-in-cheek with oh, that one. Oh, okay. These all feel like real problems, but in almost every situation, the root of the problem is actually some some deep form of anxiety. Um, or an unconscious feeling of shame or unworthiness. Okay. We already saw how self-help usually proves ineffectual in dealing with the shame. Unfortunately, it often fails in handling anxiety as well. So, when someone with an inordinate amount of anxiety comes to self-help material, two things usually happen, and neither of them fix the problem. One, they simply replace one neuroticism with another, slightly healthier neuroticism. Think someone goes, someone who goes from being an alcoholic and unable to hold a job to meditating and doing yoga five hours a day but still can't hold down a job. So uh, self-help sometimes teaches people to replace bad habits with better bad habits. And he was saying how, like, that's kind of an issue that we, you know, like that we could all try and work through. And Mm -hmm. then thing two is, or they use the self-help material as another form of avoidance. So dating advice is a classic example. I don't know how to ask out the person I like on a date, so I'll read four books about it and then feel like I did something. So basically okay, self-help yeah. as no, avoiding, the, mm-hmm. doing the actual thing. But feeling like you're doing you're the thing, feeling but like you're you not. like you did the thing because you read the book and you're not. And he said that's why people keep buying more, because they feel like they're doing it while they're reading. The funniest example of that would be, like, a virgin that doesn't want to be a virgin anymore. So it's like <laughs> reading, like, Sex for Dummies. And then, like, being like, well, that about wraps it up. And then, like, never fucking doing the thing because they were like yeah no i read the book i read the book i and am i did sex. the damn thing i, I am sex. sex yeah and then they just so know, i thought that was really interesting the thing that i thought the most interesting was avoidance as okay i've got this issue and now i'm going to replace this issue with something that's fundamentally another issue it is really interesting and you're not actually ever tackling the root of the problem like a self-help book could say all at once Get to the root of the problem. Right. But, like, first of all, what does that mean? It, it Does the root of a problem really even exist? You know, in psychology, so, it's really vague. Like, we don't know. People are more nuanced than just, like, having one issue that causes a lot of things. You know, yeah. we're, we're a web. And so, like, there's a lot of shit to work through. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was just thinking of the other example that you brought up, which was Marie Kondo or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Marie Kondo does a pretty good job from what I can remember I read the audio or I I listened to the audiobook I kind of skimmed a lot of it because of the fact that it was basically like if you watched the Netflix TV show it was basically the book but um, from what I can remember she does a pretty good job with talking about the root I I guess that's part of her technique though Mm -hmm. is thinking about the root of the problem um pull everything out and take a look at everything that you have. If you're not familiar, the listeners aren't familiar with Marie Kondo, it's like kind of like a tidying and energy reset. Decluttering your house to declutter your mind. Yeah. And she does go into, you know, like the feeling or why we might hold on to things and, you know, what it might do to our psyche and how it might help us to clear space or open up or keep only the things that we really love and that mean something to us or that spark joy and letting things go that you know we don't really want or we have expectations on and I feel like looking back at that book that might have been one that I can think of that has a pretty good example where it was semi-successful at taking a look at the root of the problem area of the subject it was talking about if that makes sense oh i like that i like i like what you said about it being able to tackle the root of its own subject yeah because it's not gonna fix people your whole whole, life 
But if you're reading a book aspect. on tidying and, you know, connecting or, mm-hmm. not, or you know, resetting your mind on your physical goods in your space, like, I feel like that book does a pretty good job of, of, yes. of hitting those points. I, From what I, I, I remember, remember watching it's a scene. A while. Like a scene where she was in her own house and she had like a single piece of paper. Yeah. And I was like, I could never. <laughs> <laughs> well, like she always starts off everything in the TV show, at least, where mm. she comes into a house and she like gets on her knees in oh, like child's it. pose. She's not so much blessed. Like, or she, say, says hello. Yeah, like she basically like greets the house and like, um, you know, uh, introduces her herself, her energy to the house, and like basically tells the house that like they're gonna go on a journey, and like she's gonna tap into its energy, and I they're gonna reset it. Forgot about that. First of all, I love that. And I think it's, it's fun. So cute. Uh, yeah. Anyways, that, I was thinking of that when you were bringing up the issues of like it doesn't really deal with the problem. So three, self help marketing creates unrealistic expectations. With the profit motive, the incentive is not on creating real change, but creating the perception of real change, mm-hmm. which kind of ties back to the billion-dollar industry. Yeah, I feel like this is the this is a big one. So it said, this can be done with placebos, teaching clients to suppress certain negative feelings or to pump their temporary emotional states. I don't know what it means to pump your emotional state. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> hey, I'll see you do. <laughs> it can be done by placating anxious people with more information and neurotics with more relaxation techniques. These all create short-term sensations of accomplishment and improvement, but always dissipate within a few days or weeks. So it says, I'm sorry, but you're not going to get over a lifetime of feeling inadequate or shame in a single weekend. You just aren't. What will happen is you'll feel better about that inadequacy for a short period of time, and then it'll come back again. And then when it comes back again, you think maybe that first book wasn't the one, and then you buy another one. Or that's the part of the profit. Or you just think I'm fucking like doomed to fail. I am the Mm -hmm. problem, and I'll never be able to figure it out. Like, but on the flip side, though, these books and like these practices and like this industry does give you those fleeting moments where you do feel like a success. So I feel like deep down that makes you think I'm not a failure. I've just forgotten how to do it and I need to go revisit it, Mm. you know, by by the newest thing. I can see that. Yeah. So I don't think that everything does that Mm -hmm. in in any capacity by any means. But I do think it's interesting. Just um, especially like the biggest titles, like from the biggest publishers, that would be something to consider. Mm -hmm. You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think this, I wouldn't apply this the same way to like a small business or like a self-published author by any means. Mm-hmm. Four, self-help is usually not scientifically validated. And this was the part obviously that I'm the most interested in. I'm really interested in the psychology of self-help and yeah. what documentation we have like through like 100 years of brain study and like what we know. What's so fascinating about this topic, and I think about this a lot when I read self-help books, is that a lot of them, if not all of them, will use scientific facts, studies, or like research Mm -hmm. to back up a point they're making, but the entirety of the topic itself is not scientifically backed, if that makes sense. So like if they're trying to make an individual point in an intro, or a chapter about something specific, a lot of self-help books will start off with, you know, science uh, backs, uh, you know, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 is the reason why, you know, people don't get up well in the morning. And the chapter might be on, like, don't hesitate. Like, procrastination kills, you know, whatever, whatever. Productivity. So they might start with, like, a bunch of scientific facts about how people have a hard time, like, doing the thing or, like, waking mm-hmm. up in the morning. And then here's my answer. And then here's my answer. But the overall topic of the book or, like, their their whole thing is not scientifically backed. But it mm-hmm. sounds as if it's packaged in a nicely, like, tight yes. box with a bow. Throw enough real facts in and we won't notice if that the one overall, slips through the cracks. Yeah, the one slips through the cracks or that the entirety of my book isn't scientifically backed. I'm just stating a lot of facts about little things so this so mark manson says that like with his experience with self-help he says essentially the self-help practices which have been shown in scientific studies to have any validity are meditation and mindfulness he said everything else is superfluous 
So <gasps> superfluous. I love that. They say that word in, in The Grinch with Jim Carrey. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Doesn't so, it seem Oh wait, hold on. Actually, there was more than that. Meditation and mindfulness has been proven to work yeah. with science. Yep. Keeping a journal has been proven like in psychological studies to improve your life mm-hmm. if you have like a certain way of journaling. Um, I'm sure I'm sure just journaling in general. Stating what you're grateful for every day and then like also um, experiencing and giving charity. And so I've read a lot of those charity studies in the past mm-hmm. about the people that participate in charity like actually improve like their brain and community functions and lobes and all sorts of shit. Get so anyways, down, that's baby. cool. Get down. Get he says, down. here is where science is hit and miss. And it depends on how or why it's used, like you said, how it's presented, how it's packaged. But things like neuro-linguistic programming, affirmations, hypnotherapy, getting in touch with your inner child. Which is interesting because those those are things that we're interested in. Yeah. So, like, obviously you and I are interested in the concept of, like, inner child and we understand what it is yep. and, like, its importance. Yeah. But on the flip side, it's also important that we that we acknowledge that we don't have, like, necessarily... I, the I'm psych- interested the psycho- in it. Yeah, we don't have the psychology and science to back it up as something that... It's impossible to tell someone this will help you. It, you have to say it can, you know? And a lot of people say it's important to just, like, be careful with the words that we're using when it comes to those types of things. Absolutely. And the thing, too, is, is like, okay, we understand the concept of an inner, of inner child and working with inner child and, and the psychology behind it and all that stuff, but you were to say like the inner child is you know definitively a real thing it's it's yeah not you know <laughs> like it's just just not uh it's a little more heady than that and also yeah. like i said and just because the studies and the science isn't there yet doesn't mean that we won't get there one day and you know have yeah. have a step-by-step system that is accredited yeah but also not everything needs that no nope. like something like the inner child it, to me it is perfectly fine being a fringe a fringe element of spirituality and something that fun that you interact with and you get you get what you can from it. Yeah. And not like this scientific... And it can mean what it means to you. It doesn't have to be structured. And this is like some other things. something that I've thought about with meditation and mindfulness. Yeah. Because we know scientifically that it helps you, Yeah. a lot of people approach it with that expectation in their head. Like, okay, mm. I know this can help me, but then when it doesn't, they feel like stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, I know this can help, but why is it not helping me? Yep. And so I think that it sometimes it also puts a lot of pressure on the thing. Mm-hmm. So which is a shame because meditation yep. and mindfulness are great. But then when you go into it being like, okay, this will help, and like science shows that it helps, you know, that's just too much pressure. That's too much fucking pressure. No, it totally <laughs> is. And I have a lot of clients that I work with that I'll say things along the lines of like, okay, like. Maybe we need to be grounding right now, or, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe we need to kind of adopt some sort of meditation, you know, and if, and a lot of the feedback I'll get is like, I've tried, I don't know how, like I get too anxious or I can't concentrate or whatever. And obviously we go into the dialogue about that, Mm -hmm. but I also will say like meditation does not have to be. Um, like achieving bliss like or I anything. feel yeah. like a lot of people think those things are like start here now you have to do it this way put your feet on the ground you have to listen you have to listen and breathe and mm-hmm. like meditation or meditating can be you know zoning out and like really focusing on doing the dishes or when you're in the shower you just kind of like concentrate on the water like washing your body and like I will try and make it a little bit more approachable or talk to my clients in in a like more applicable way to like everyday life because it takes like this you're right like this perfectionistic like it must be this way and it will help me because of this this and this like you don't have to set a timer sit down with your palms open on your lap close your eyes and breathe for 10 minutes which to is meditate, fun to do which by is the way. honestly incredible <laughs> but like you don't have to do it like that yeah. to get the benefits of it but it it because it is scientifically proven or it is so pushed as like do this and you will feel better it is intimidating so making it more approachable has always been something i've been Mm -hmm. trying to do i guess so here's a part of the article that made me laugh really hard because he um like i said he wrote a book called the subtle art of not giving a fuck so he kind of says whatever he wants yeah and he was like here is what to me is complete bullshit 
manifesting, tarot cards, telekinesis, psychics, crystals, power animals, tapping, the law of attraction, anything supernatural, woo-woo. So... Mm, interesting. So, like, I guess to him, you know, and some people, in my opinion, in my humble little opinion, put too much emphasis on, like, science behind things mm-hmm. without realizing the emotional impact of things like tarot well, cards. And, psychological, too, yeah, like... And especially tapping. I'm surprised that tapping is on there because we know from psychological studies that tapping yourself yeah. can calm you down. Yeah. So maybe he just hasn't read that fucking article yet. But Yeah, I um, feel like he just wanted to be... Um, yeah, a little more abrasive and like... Edgy. <gasps> like, oh my God, I love doing that. How could he say that? You know, whatever. Or he was like, you know, he wants to appeal to those more skeptical who mm-hmm. are like... Yeah, I want to self-help, but I don't want to fucking read tarot cards. Yeah. You know, maybe he's trying to appeal towards the audience to of, like, skeptics and... And, uh, um, and I'm not, like... More, it, like, practical... And I'm know, not afraid to read things like this in articles because I don't feel like my practice or, like, yeah. my beliefs are threatened in any way. No, no It just reminds no. me that what... I would say 75% of the world has... Mark's opinion and feelings on yeah probably that. Uh, maybe maybe seventy nowadays. So he says Gen Z is really helping. Oh, Gen Z, they are helping a lot. Yeah. So the fact is that the majority of self help information out there is either placebo at best or complete bunk at worst. So fortunately, in the past decades, many ac- academics such as Brene Brown, who's an amazing example, Dan Gilbert, mm-hmm. are getting into the mix by writing self help books based on scientific studies. Rather than the usual trope of, I was cleaning out my closet when God spoke to me and I became enlightened and here's my complete arbitrary and half-baked book on what you should do with your life. (laughs) (laughs) I love how he said half-baked book. (laughs) That's good. And then five, this is his final final theses. Self-help is a contradiction. Mm -hmm. The contradiction of self-help is that the first and most fundamental step to growth is to admit that you're okay as you are and that you don't necessarily need anyone else's help. Which at first I was like, wait, what? So let's keep reading. Okay. He said, it's the prime belief. And by its very definition, it's something that can't be given to you by someone else. It must be reached on your own. Mm. The irony is that once you do accept that you don't need someone else's help or advice to become a good person, it's only then that their advice truly becomes useful to you. And that's what Carl Rogers, that psychologist, was famous for saying. Mm. He was like, it was only when I fully accepted myself as I was that I was free to change. And um, nice. so and so so in a way, self-help is most useful for people who don't actually need self-help. It's for the okay to great people, not bad to okay people. Although those are most of the people who get caught up in its net and spend their actual money on it. Self-improvement is quite literal in its meaning. It's used to enhance oneself, not replace it. So if you're looking to replace who you are with something else and something better, you will not succeed. And you're more likely to get sucked up into nonsense and pseudoscience and suppress your feelings of inadequacy rather than deal with them head on. And (laughs) so he said, so what's the point of all this? Yeah. It's this. Figure it out yourself. And which is ironic because he writes self-help books, but he acknowledges that a lot of it you have to figure out yourself and you kind of got to come to it. Yeah. Like he said... With that, it's not until you fully accept yourself as you are, everyone, like yeah. with everything that's awful, like saying to yourself, you know what? I am a piece of shit. <laughs> and I've been there. Yeah. I am there. I am now. I am the shit. I am season two. I am season two. And you yeah, know. What's interesting is, it's like I have gone through during and maybe like af- since my Saturn return. Um, where I fully accepted that I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> uh, and that's when you're afraid to change, I right? I don't read self-help books anymore. You're just a piece I of just, shit. I have like, accepted that I'm a piece of shit. His final paragraph is actually really quite stunning. Okay. It says, be skeptical, be selfish, I'm be Virgo, ruthless. I'm a Gemini. I will this be. is your life we're talking about, and no one else can be happy for you. If you find yourself having that expectation... There's your problem, and no one can help you except yourself. And that, you know, at that point, and I like that. Be skeptical, be skeptical, be selfish, and be ruthless. Like when you are be skeptical, I'm a Virgo rising. Be uh, selfish, I'm a Taurus moon, and be what was ruthless. I'm a Gemini. <laughs> I know, right? I have all the cocktail ingredients for this <laughs> fabulous night out. I'm skeptical and selfish, but I'm not ruthless. 
you're a Slytherin. I am ruthless. You're fucking. I, f- I feel like my ruthless. ruthlessness is like under the water, and uh-huh. you can't see it coming. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's like when I no, met it's like it's like, the like first no, time it's like, we shook hands. I said, "Oh, ruthless." Who invited you? So it's, oh, I've been here all along. <laughs> so okay. um. You know, like those kids that are like swimming under the water doing weird things and they think no one can see them? Me. Me. Yeah. That's us. Yeah. Like we think That's we're, this we, podcast, we think we're ruthless under the water. No one can see us, but it's like clear as fucking day from the top. We're like top 10 witchy podcasts and we're like down in the bottom of the barrel on like spirituality, like the, mm-hmm. the broader terms of this podcast. Mm-hmm. So, like, we're really swimming underneath the water. But if we really pinpoint, like, the witchy mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, or we like could get the, ruthless. We could really. <laughs> we could become the eel of the spirituality we podcast. Could, we, could, we could get a handle on our emotional bullshit. Uh, no thanks. So first of all, I thought that article was really interesting. It was a great topic. Par- parts great of it, job. parts of it were problematic. I don't like the way that he used the word neuroticism mm, outside of a clinical yeah. context. All sorts of issues. Yeah, um, I don't love. But whatever. It. Like I said, when I read this stuff, and I hope listeners, when you're at home, that you're reading this shit sometimes, that you just take a step back and realize, okay. I, you know, we can't change the world overnight. People are still using words that are problematic. Do you think other people are reading shit like this at home? That's why they listen to our podcast. <laughs> Is it just me? It's just you. It's just you, buds. No wonder the listicles it's are... It's meant to. It's meant to. <laughs> so, yes. Oh. Um, and then there, I found some other articles that were really interesting, but we're not going to get to them, I don't think. No. Uh, let's see what our timestamp is. Oh, yeah. oh, 46 minutes. Oh, then we've got time for... A quiz? Yes. Yes! It's time to do so a quiz. So, one, one of the listicles that yeah. I was reading, I know you love that word, it actually had a link to a quiz, like, inside the article. Oh! And I've never seen that. And so yeah. I clicked on it, and this is how the quiz is advertised. If we, at the end we have to pay for it, let's just end it, end the podcast, okay. and start season three tomorrow. <laughs> So you it, don't think it's linked in the article. It's, it's going to be fucking more. You're going to have to pay for it. I hope not. It's from IdeaPod, and I can't remember if I remember that or not. That sounds... So this is the header. This is the only quiz in the world that will reveal your real superpower in life. Quiz. Okay. What's your superpower? A quiz. <laughs> Says, um, your biggest emotional challenge has become your greatest strengths. A beautiful little quote. I feel like... So, I'm Justin Brown, founder of IdeaPod, and I know I have. What? So, anyways, he has a little bio. It doesn't make any sense. Let's take the quiz. Let's take the quiz. Quiz. If you could choose one activity you'd like to do more often, what would it be? One, anything to help me mentally switch off, like walks in the park, meditation, getting lost in a good book. That sounds like something you'd like to do more often. Two, Going out with people, friends, family, I do the community. Three, cuddling on the sofa with a significant other. That mm, sounds like something you'd like yeah, to do more often. Yeah. Four, time studying, learning, and improving myself. That's all I fucking do. <laughs> Five, fun activities like shopping, eating out, Netflix. Eating out. <laughs> um, I'm going to say cuddling on the couch with a loved one, but that doesn't have to do with me more so... The I already wish clicked that, it. like, George, like, worked from home or something. Oh, that'd know? be ideal. Two, you're invited to a party, but you feel apprehensive about going. What's, okay. What's the most likely reason? One, potentially a million reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's you already. No, <laughs> what? No, that's you. What will I wear? Oh, God. How will I get not. there? What if I don't know anybody? What if X, Y, Z? Two, it's hard to say because I can't even remember the last time I was invited to a party. <laughs> Three, I don't want to turn up alone. Four, guilt because I have lots to do and there are more productive ways I could be spending my time. That one. Or five. Oh. Feeling like I have to impress a group of strangers. I feel like it's four. four. Guilt because you have lots to do and there's more productive ways. Yeah. When you're lying in bed late at night and that fearful voice starts chattering in your head. <laughs> fucking quiz dude Whoa. oh my god Whoa. so like i said you're laying Whoa. in bed and the fearful voice is chattering in your head got it i, I love the casual there right now the way it's just so casual what is it most likely telling you 
Okay, this one's me. One, all the potential worst case scenarios in life, both real and imagined. <laughs> Two, I have nobody. <laughs> okay, wait. <laughs> wait, can you start over? I just like projected it. I, like, just, so just when you're laying in bed at night and the fearful voice is chattering in your head, what is it telling you? One, it's telling you about all the potential worst case scenarios in life. Maybe that one. Two. It's telling you that you have nobody. No. Three, that you're unlovable. Maybe that one. <laughs> Four, that you're letting people down. Or five, that you'll never be good enough. So That'll never be good enough. Oh. I know. Which Bad. is like so not a trial. It's your birthday and you are deciding whether to throw a party. What is your biggest concern? One, getting organized and prepared. I don't want to forget anything important. Okay. <laughs> That one. <laughs> that one. I know. Okay, go ahead. Two. But I don't know enough people. <laughs> uh, I mean, no, no. Maybe, maybe in years past, but no. Three. Who will show up? How many people will come? Will my nearest and dearest make an effort for me? Mm, no. Four. Whether everybody had a good time. That doesn't seem like mm. you. Or five. What if the party's a total flop? So I feel like for you, it's between getting organized. It's organized. Yeah. At work, I'm known for, one, being good at analyzing and weighing up the pros and cons. That sounds like you. <sighs> Keeping myself to myself and minding my own business. Mm. That sounds like it could be you. Three. In certain aspects, like it depends. This one's me. Three. Getting along with everyone, even the most difficult. No. Four. Taking on... <laughs> <laughs> Four. Taking on challenges because it feels good. To be the one to solve things. Or five, mm. having very high standards and a perfectionist eye for detail. That one. That's what you're known for? Yeah. At least I'm I'm putting that in regards to my, my last job. And, mm -hmm. like, the feedback that I was always given. Absolutely. Was that I was, like, the most organized. I was the one that always knew, like, the problem areas and that I, like, wanted things done perfect. If you could magically fix one thing about yourself, what would it be? One, turn off my thoughts to think less. Okay. That's probably the one. Yeah. Two, create more meaningful connections. I have a lot of those. Three, be more independent and self-sufficient. Too four, much of that. Four, drop the people-pleasing. Mm, what was the first one again? Turn off your thoughts to think less. Live more. While I really think that that could come in handy, I think it's also one of my greatest strengths. So, what was the last one again? Drop the people pleasing. We'll do number one. Because, like I said, you can turn them off at will. Yeah. You know, and turn yeah, them yeah, back yeah, on yeah. Okay, 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 okay. It's not like you just never think again. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going to turn this off forever. This and is off now. Duct tape the switch to down. <laughs> Finish the following sentence. Actually, I'm going to fucking <laughs> pop the breaker. <laughs> like, Finish the following sentence based on which you most identify with. I am the friend that... Ooh. One, always considers what my friends are feeling or thinking. Two, values know. quality of friendships over quantity of friendships. That sounds like you. Yeah, I definitely do. This that. one doesn't sound like you. One, has total FOMO. No. Four, will do anything for you. Five. I mean, I would. Can seem a little guarded before I get to know you, but incredibly loyal when I do. I'm, I don't, I don't think I seem guarded. Maybe others think that I do. So I think it's probably one of the first two. Always considers what my friends are feeling and thinking. Two, values quality of friendships over quantity. We'll do that one. Quality over quantity? Yeah. Even though I do have a lot of friends, I think I value the the quality of them. Now this one, this question is what you think others will say about you. Specifically, so specifically your family. Oh. My family, oh. my family would probably say <laughs> that some that sometimes I can be all the things. One, a worry wart. No. Two, quiet. No. no. <laughs> Three, needy. No. no. Four, a martyr. No. We'll come back to that one. Five, a procrastinator. Yeah, maybe. I mean, my mom would have said that about me, like, as a kid. Mm-hmm. 
a procrastinator. Yeah, I don't know if she would say that about me as an adult. I don't know if she knows or thinks that now, I guess. My parents. Not that it has to be, like, only my mom. I was just like, my mom probably, like, if I was younger, my mom probably would have said that. I think my family would call me a worrywart. Is that the only options? Yeah, that's it. Oh. So I guess you kind of have to find one where you can squeeze yourself in. Maybe I'll do, like, the martyr. An important event is coming up. You feel excited, this but is also... a long quiz. I think there's, like, one more or two okay, more questions. Okay, okay, go ahead. There's only 30 more questions. <laughs> <laughs> and important... And like I said, this is the definitive quiz to finding out what your real-life superpower is. Quiz. An important event is coming up. You feel excited, but also, one, nervous about what might go wrong. Two, apprehensive about having to socialize. Three, in need of some reassurance. Four... Hope people think you do a good job. Or five, worried about doing your bit to the best of your ability. That last one sounds like you to me. Yeah, I feel like all those answers are kind of similar, to be honest with you. Because, like, what's the difference between hoping people think you do a good job? But I guess, actually, like, the way they're, they have different emotional feelings to them. So, like, I get why they're different. Can you read them one more time? One, nervous about what might go wrong. That, mm, no, I know no, that I'm pretty yeah. adaptable. If like something goes wrong in the situation, I'm a problem solver. I don't see you as apprehensive about having to socialize. No. Three, in need of some reassurance. In needing of some reassurance. Some reassurance. Of what and from who? It says just an important event's coming up. You feel excited, but you also feel like you're in need of some reassurance. That, honestly, yeah, that might be the one. I'm going to say that. That might be the, the one. Yeah. If I had all the confidence in the world, I wouldn't. So give all the confidence in the world. Mm -hmm. This is what you would not do. One, stress so much. Mm -hmm. Two, feel lonely. Three, worry about people leaving me. Four, be scared of what others think of me. Or five, feel overwhelmed by decision making or whether I'm making the right choices. I'll go through them again. That's a lot. So you have all the confidence in the world. I feel like I'm between one and three. Stress so much, feel lonely, worry about people leaving me, be scared of what others think of me, or feel overwhelmed by decision making or whether I'm making the right choices. Maybe the last one? Overwhelmed by decision making. Yeah, maybe the last one. Analyzing your results. So hard. That, like, those are, like... It wants me to enter my email to reveal the superpower. Uh-oh, they're gonna make you pay. I am shitting bricks right now. I'm going to use the email I never use. And they're going to probably give you ads generated and geared towards my answers. (laughs) Okay, everyone, don't panic. Mm, No one's panicking. It's just me. (laughs) (laughs) No one's even listening at this point. The first panic of season two. The first. The dead air. Okay, everyone. Everyone is waiting for results. Yes, no problem, guys. I just have to open the email now. Okay, but what's the title of the quiz again? It was like this quiz will determine your real life superpower. The only true. The only true quiz. quiz. That will give you the definitive answer to your real life superpowers in real life quiz. Okay. Oh, SkylarGuysAtMe.com. There we go. I am so hungry. I cannot wait to eat dinner after this. I totally feel you right now. Did it go into spam? What if we don't get to fucking know? (laughs) Then people learned a lot about me, very personal things, and uh, there's no result. No, I don't. You're fucking welcome, everyone. Oh, man. Well, while he looks for those, I am going to read the list of other people who have infinite superpowers there are a list of supporters these people are uh the group of people that contribute to our podcast every month and we are very grateful we're very thankful to have this really awesome supportive tribe of supporters uh a lot of them have been supporting us for a year over a year some some of these people two years and um, we're just really grateful for all of you who listen whether you support or not. But a special thanks goes out to Sarah N, Julie C, Anna M, Heather A, Alyssa S, Rebecca PK, Teresa D, Dominic B, Melanie W, Catherine L, 
Phil K, Jesse D, and David B. If you would like to support this podcast, you can do so by going to anchor.fm slash speaking of which and clicking on the support or the donate button. And you can support for a dollar a month, $5 a month, even $10 a month. It really helps us out. We, you know, we do this because we love to and that, you know, at this point it's a habit, it's a ritual. <laughs> we can't, we can't quit you all, but, um, being supported financially, even as little as a dollar a month, really does help us to keep going. And if you want to support us but you can't or don't want to financially, you can share this episode or this podcast with a friend or on a social media platform or go to rate this podcast on any of the uh, platforms that you listen to this on. So thank you so much to our supporters and for just our general listeners. Do you have the results? Guys, I didn't get the email with the link, and mm. I can't go back. I know what your superpower is. Season two is just... This is one hell of a way to start. <laughs> I think this is the beginning and end of season two. Yeah. This is the only episode in season two. And we go back to season one. <laughs> we regress. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Anyways, um, thank I, you so I much can't for listening. I Wait, guys, I'm I'm just as frustrated as you. <laughs> I don't think they're frustrated. I think you are. I think that I think honestly, they're probably driving to work, just sitting back, going. <sighs> no, they knew. They expected. Actually, no. This. this is the second half of the podcast, so they're just about to pull into their house, and they're like, "Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I just season. listened to all that." <laughs> yeah. Um. No, this is the beginning and ending of season two. Uh, thank <laughs> you so much for joining us. Uh, and this is the cliffhanger that we're gonna leave you on. And in season back, back when back we go to back, season one. back to season one, we're just not gonna address the cliffhanger, and we're gonna continue <laughs> as if nothing happened. Okay, thank you so much for listening this week. We love you. Goodbye, everyone. Mm-hmm.